It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 436 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, December 13th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. And of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network with team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA Daily with a bunch of different hosts from the network shipping in there, weekly contributions from Ben Golliver and Sam Amick, and you can find them all together on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel, a great resource to get the local perspective on all of the biggest stories around the league, and then we get the national one as well, and the fantasy ramifications of everything that happens. It's uh, it's a big, fine-tuned, well-oiled machine for you to check out. And if you find a show on the network that you like, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the places you get your podcasts. It's very, very helpful for rankings and algorithms and just stroking our egos, which we love to do so, so much. So thank you so much for taking the amount of, the small amount of time it requires to do that. And uh, let's get to today's show. Today we are discussing the Raptors winning the NBA championship last night in Golden State. They beat the Warriors 113-93. This was just a delightful game, inspiring on many levels, and joining me to talk about this, and also the impetus to have him on the podcast was that he wrote a piece about Pascal Siakam. I'm sure we'll get to Siakam as well. Uh, I expected to be talking about a loss today, but that is not the case. From CBS Sports, it's James Herbert. How's it going, buddy? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Uh, has Kawhi Leonard been traded yet? Like, they should probably just get rid of him, right? They're so trash. Yeah, they should... Uh, Asset management this and trade him before he walks for nothing, and mm-hmm. get more uh, get, get more guys like Fred Van Vliet if you can. <laughs> Just minute soppers, role players, yeah. guys that are gonna move the ball. Let Fred Van Vliet do his thing. Let Pascal Siakam do his thing. Clearly, Kawhi Leonard was ruining Kyle Lowry's career based on the five games that preceded him mm-hmm. uh, sitting out these last two. So, yeah, I mean, I think clearly you just have to get rid of this guy. Yeah, get people who can just orbit around this the center the central force that is Kyle Lowry and just roll <laughs> from there because he is clearly the best player on earth <laughs> or at least the second best player behind LeBron. Last night he cemented himself as better than both Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. Wild <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Uh, so on a serious note, the Raptors won this game 113-93, and uh, we're just impressive from the very start. And, like, I don't know, I'll just throw a softball up at you. What was your biggest takeaway from this game? It really, really ruled. Yeah, I mean, I think the two games, really. I mean, obviously the Warriors one is the bigger one, but yeah. the Clippers game, I was, like, almost equally impressed at just how well the offense was just kind of flowing. Like, mm-hmm. they, they were playing at a super fast pace but they were doing it in like not a wild reckless way at all this was sort of like the like nick the platonic ideal of like a nick nurse system kyle lowry obviously was amazing and was like the center of the whole thing but it's not like this was just the lowry show Mm -hmm. like i just thought they were like calmly picking the warriors apart uh the, the clippers i don't think could even keep up with them but they got some of those same like just pushing the ball getting buckets in transition um just getting like 
taking advantage of, of like their opportunities and their mismatches really early. And uh, I thought they just did it in like a really mature way. And like I think there have been various points over the past few years, and when Dwayne Casey was the coach too, where people talked about the Raptors just being like a well-oiled regular season machine, and like that that was like what this was like, mm-hmm. except with the added sort of perspective that now you look at this team and you look at it when it does have Kawhi Leonard, who, by the way, I don't seriously think they should trade. And like, <laughs> it does, it does seem like, yeah, like this could be possible in the, in the playoffs as well. Like it's notable that they seem to have more, uh, I think Nick Nurse described them as more unpredictable without Kawhi. I think, I, I think that is true. Yeah. Uh, but that's something that can still work out. But I think just how, easy it looked against both of those teams really good teams by the way like i i know uh the warriors had guys out like Igadala, um that that could have changed the game like like livingston left the game um whatever but uh, and the clippers team was kind of banged up but like these are deep teams anyway these are two of the best teams in the west best teams at home all season long and for the raptors to just roll in there with with a sort of swagger like yeah this is what we do and just like destroy them and make it look easy the way the, the way they did like that that was incredibly impressive to me yeah I think the thing that I noticed on offense for the Raptors last night was like every time Kyle got the ball off a rebound or a defensive stop he just seemed menacing it was like oh he's gonna go up and quickly get into something here and there's gonna be like three or four cuts going away from the ball and like it's just going to be just like this harmonious action that's going to lead to a wide open shot and just felt like that was the case in both of those games against the Clippers and the Warriors like they just yeah you're totally right that it seems a lot easier and more free-flowing with Kawhi not there but like that's the trade-off you make to have Kawhi Leonard like you're going to sort of deviate from the sort of playground freestyling thing when you have a guy like Leonard who you can just kind of cheat code it instead of having to do all those actions you can just like oh hey go score this please and go through the Mario tube and jump ahead three levels like that's kind of the the, the the trade-off you make to have Kawhi, and you make that trade a million times, and you're happy to do it. Um, and, you know, if, if and when it gets to the point where Kawhi can just kind of fit into that system, and, you know, he'll still have his possessions where they can throw to him and say, all right, go get us a bucket. But, you know, to have him as sort of like a, a force of gravity within a team that's playing that free-flowing and, you know, just cutting so much and having so much, like, little improvised pick and roll stuff here and there like to have Kawhi's gravity also involved in that whether as a ball handler or just someone off the ball I mean that's going to be just terrifying once that finally clicks which I think it will I mean Kawhi played on the 2014 Spurs and was fine on that team and that was the most like ideal beautiful basketball team you'll ever see so it's not like he's never played in that kind of system before or excelled in that kind of system he won a goddamn finals MVP playing in that system so I, I think we'll see that eventually happen at some point here um, so I, I want I wasn't honestly even surprised that they were able to score the way they did last night like their offense without Kawhi just seems like you said just, it's just so easy and and just sort of e- like free flowing and and just beautiful the defense was the thing that kind of got me like they were just oppressive last night and yes Kevin Durant had his crazy game where he had 30 points and it was it was efficient like 13 to 22 or whatever it was but uh, and then, there were also open looks for Clay and Steph that maybe on a normal night they go down. But I think they did a lot of stuff to sort of manufacture uh, difficult looks or manufacture a lot of those misses from Steph and Clay and everyone else. Uh, what did you see from the Raps' defense last night? Because I just was just so in awe of how just consistent they were over the course of the entire game. Yeah, I think they were solid. I think the effort was there all night and to have you know like Siakam just steps into that role is like oh I'm going to be the primary defender against Kevin Durant because Leonard is out like that like it's impressive that they have 
multiple guys that they can even like sick on him like most teams don't have that mm-hmm. and uh, i think you've sort of seen over the course of the year like whenever they have these great defensive performances like the communication is there um i, I think they're challenging shots at least even if it's if it's great players like they're still most of the time getting getting hand up there were a few times it stood out where like clay and steph had wide open looks and they missed it mm-hmm. um but i think if you just like put together clips of that happening that would not be representative of what like that night was like i think yeah like the warriors got a little unlucky with missing open looks but like over the course of the game uh, I, I think they weren't able to find their rhythm. Part, part of that is also because the Raptors' offense was so damn good that yeah. the, the Warriors had to take it out and go against a set defense all night. Like, these things are interconnected, and I just think it was a, a really good all-around performance from Toronto. I think the reason why I brought up the offense first is it's just like, it's sort of refreshing to see a Raptors team that, like, whether it's Lowry getting the rebound and pushing it, or, or Siakam getting it, or, or Danny Green, even, like, whoever, it's like, they, they get the board, they get the stop, they turn, and their head is up immediately, mm-hmm. and they're looking down the court, and they're just trying to manufacture offense and get into their stuff, or, or even freelance, if, if, if that's what's necessary, like, as soon as possible. They're just, they put so much pressure on the Warriors, and I think it's rare to see Golden State look like they're the ones that, like, can't quite keep up. Like, mm-hmm. that, that, that's why the offense stood out to me. I thought also, uh, circuit. I agree. The offense was dope on the defensive side. Like they kind of treated this game very much like a playoff game, where they're trying to funnel the shots to certain guys, and yeah, like th- they were just so noticeably not giving a damn whatever Draymond had the ball, and Draymond was 0-3 from deep, and like some ugly ass misses as well. And you only took five shots in the game, which I think is probably a win for them as well. They just they they really seem to care about like three guys. And after that, it was like, okay, if you know Quinn Cook's gonna beat us, that's fine. If Sean Livingston's gonna beat us, go ahead. Alfonso McKinney, we love you, but we also know you're Alfonso McKinney. Like we're gonna try to key in on Steph Clay and, and KD, and like you know, the keying in on Clay, KD only does so much. But um, they just they, they treated it very much like a playoff game and not like a regular season game where it's like, oh yeah, we'll just like def- play defense the way we normally do. Um, also just like hella aggressive, twelve steals, man. Like they like yeah. Fred, what the hell happened to Fred Van Vliet last night? What, what what was he doing? Why is he so good at defense? <laughs> he picked KD at one point. Yeah. Like, what is going on? Like and and like just the fact that like Fred and he's had this since he came in the league, right? But like he has the moxie to pick up a guy like Steph Curry full court. Mm-hmm. Like he do, he did it to Chris Paul too. Like like this is just what he does. He does not care who you are. And I think that that's part of why people love Fred so much. Um, and then, you know, I, I just – I was impressed by everything. Obviously, it was, like, one of their best performances of the year. But I think what you brought up about their preparation is, like, a, a really good point. And mm-hmm. some of it, I think, speaks to, okay, the Warriors are a little top-heavy. Uh, Iguodala is a guy that stabilizes them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't have him. But but on the other side, it's like the Raptors were in the second half of a back-to-back. Yeah. And it, it's not like they had – a hell of a lot of time to prepare for this. It's not like they see this team a ton. This is their their second of the year, um, and th- and that's it. Unless we they meet in the finals, which is like very possible. Um, but the fact that they came in and seemed to have such a good understanding of the game plan, and based on you know probably a walkthrough at the hotel and a pregame discussion, and that's it. Like I, I think that that says a lot about this team and where they're at right now. Yep, it was uh, damn impressive start to finish, and yeah, the, the preparation on the back-to-back is, like, wild to me, uh, especially considering all of the other stuff going on with Nick Nurse right now, too, which uh, I hope everything's good there. Yeah. Um, so this is the question now, I suppose. 
I don't particularly think that's going to, if this is the finals matchup, if the Raptors do make the finals, I don't think this is going to be a particularly close finals because, like, the, the Warriors are just, like, they're the Warriors, and it's, they're, they're just, they're just impossible, and over the course of a series, their impossibility will reign, I think, um, but if you are looking at this game and saying, hey, there is a way, there's a road, there's a roadmap here for the Raptors to actually, like, give them a real Rockets-like challenge, like we saw last year, like, what do you think are those points that you're picking out to sort of build your optimism around? Yeah, it's, I don't know how much it applies. Yeah. Like, I really, I, just the Warriors in the playoffs are so different from what they are in the regular season. Like, the Warriors sucked going into the playoffs last year. Yeah. Like, they played some of the worst basketball of the Steve Kerr era, and then the playoffs started, and they just flipped a switch, and it was like, oh my god, look at what they're doing defensively. Like, I don't know that... If this is a finals matchup, I don't know that the Raptors will ever look anything close to that comfortable and just have that same sort of vibe and flow offensively that we saw last night again. Like, the, yeah. the Warriors at their best are an incredible defensive team. But I think the one advantage that everybody has said, like, since we've started d- discussing this hypothetical, um, if this is the finals matchup, is that the Raptors have more depth. Yeah. And they're more equipped to handle injuries. And I think they suffered one last night. I'm sure we'll get to that. But I think if you're looking at a Warriors team in the finals that's beaten up that's tired if they, if they have a tough road in in the west which it's not clear right now that they will mm-hmm. because so many of their supposed challengers are like not playing at the top of their games but if they do have a tough road if they have one of their stars out even if they have somebody like Iguodala out like i, I think all that stuff really matters mm-hmm. and uh, if if they have one of their key dudes out of the lineup or if they're not at full strength or whatever it is if if they can't play that suffocating like switch most of the time we are more versatile than you we are more athletic than you um kind of defense um against the raptors then the warriors could find themselves uh facing similar sort of stakes as they did last year against houston where i mean i i they probably should have lost that series mm-hmm. but then again if they had Iguodala all series guarding james harden I, I i don't think that even would have been that close and i i was one of the guys that like going into that was like i think the rockets have a shot but i think if the warriors truly were fully healthy i don't think that they would have so yeah. i i think it's about who's available um and the raptors should certainly go in with a lot of confidence based on this but i just don't know how much we can really take from it basketball wise Yep, I think I agree. Uh, I mean, the the roster construction is nice, and the fact that they can kind of mirror in a way what the Rockets did last year, where they just switched everything, and like you could survive with. You know, I think Ibaka can survive for a like a possession or two if he gets switched on to KD. Like maybe he's not going to do super well, but he blocked him a couple times last night. Like that's encouraging. Whether or not that holds up over the course of a series, I don't know. But or whether or not Ibaka keeps playing like this goddamn monster he's been playing, like I also don't know yeah. that. But. The way they're set up, like I mean, the... they don't need him. They, like, oh yeah, when the Thunder almost beat the Warriors, when they had KD, they yeah. had Ibaka switching onto their guard. They had him trying to stick with Steph Curry out, like behind the three point line. Like he's he's gonna have to do that work. It's gonna be really tough. Yeah, but like if you get in a seven game series against the Warriors, like I don't see a, another plan. Like uh, I, I'm not saying they will switch absolutely everything all game, all series. But you're going to see a hell of a lot of it, and they're going to have to use their versatility. They're going to have to use the fact that they, they have constructed this roster that compared to every other iteration of the, of the Raptors over the past few years, like this is the most versatile they've ever been. This is the best defensive team. This is the most athletic team. Mm-hmm. Kawhi changes everything, but they also have this other guy in Danny Green that, that changes a lot too, and, and they're hoping that 
you know, I mean, I, I think the development with, with Siakam has been obvious. I think the, the play of Ananobi recently has been pretty encouraging. Like, they're hoping they can just throw a lot of dudes at the Warriors mm-hmm. and wear them out over the course of a series. And, and I don't, I, I think they're better equipped to do that than most teams. But does that mean I would pick the Raptors in the series? No, but I mean, let's just, let's see what happens over the next few months. Let's see if this is even the matchup. But I think if you are a Raptors fan, like, you should feel great about what, what you've seen against him this this year, I just don't think you can be you can be getting like too cocky about it. No, I, I agree. That's why I said they won the championship last night because it's the peak, probably. Um, like, unless they just have Danny Green post up Steph five hundred times in a series, then then it's over. It's just the cheat code that you have to win the series. Uh, we're gonna talk about the injury you mentioned and some other stuff before uh, we're, before we wrap this thing up. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor for today. And that is Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to those in a heated car seat. They can reach temperatures up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on a single charge. Action Heat batteries can also be used to recharge your phone or whatever other gadget you have on while you're wearing them. Perfect for any friend or family on your holiday gift list. Great for anyone who works outdoors, skiers, snowboarders, or anyone that just loves the outdoors or really, really hates the cold. Action Heat clothing provides toasty warmth for you, uh, for your whole body, sorry, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns. You can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat. Action Heat is available in men's and women's and has great new styles and models just released for this winter season. Make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth and Action Heat is the perfect solution to keep you toasty and warm even in the most frigid, terrible Toronto weather. I bet Kawhi Leonard would wear this instead of a jacket. If he wants to you know, go away from the jacket and just wear one of those base layers, Kawhi can do that to stay warm in Toronto. Heated products that fit everybody's budget starting at just $39.99 and we've got a special deal for our listeners to save 20% off an entire higher order just go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything action heat has to offer that's actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on to check out to save 20 percent stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your favorite outdoor activities this winter with action heat and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, uh, let's get to the breaking news. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas' thumb is uh, messed up. I was, it what looked so bad last night and it's being proven to be it bad. He has got a cast on it. He had surgery today on his thumb and he's going to be reevaluated in four weeks when the cast comes off, I suppose is what the word is from the Raptors. Um, first of all, your reaction when this injury happened, I was horrified. It looked awful and looked like his thumb like got consumed by the rest of his hand. Um, but I don't think it was like a dirty play by Draymond. I think there was a lot of overreaction to that and sort of because he's Draymond, people were like, oh, this is dirty. I was more like, eh, it's kind of an unfortunate play that happens to be by Draymond. But I don't know. What did you think when you saw it all? I mean, I, I definitely wasn't, like, blaming Draymond Green. It was just a freak incident. Yeah. Um, but I'd never seen Valanciunas in that much pain. Like, no, he, yeah. He's gotten injured before, but I, he was screaming uh, and 
just sort of gesticulating wildly and it was very clear that something like somewhat serious had happened and yeah I just felt bad for him I, I think like you have to really respect the way he's changed his game you have to respect the way he's handled his minutes decreasing this year and how well he's played mm-hmm. I think and it just I mean this doesn't seem like it's going to be uh, something that affects him long term but to sit out for a month and to go through that rehab like that sucks so uh, yeah, I mean, that that was basically it. I was just like, oh, my God. It yeah. seems like he's in, like, a horrifying amount of pain. He was having, like, maybe his best game against the Warriors ever as well. Eight minutes, 6.7 yeah. boards, and, like, was actually looking playable in that matchup, which has not been the case. It was certainly not the case in their first matchup earlier this year. Uh, he was getting cooked, just, like, unable to protect the rim for, from, like, little six-footers that everyone was putting up over him. Um, but he looked good and looked sort of part of the defense, playing on a string, all that stuff that you want. Um, and then he goes down, and then Greg Monroe has to come in. And Greg Monroe was really effective as well in seven minutes. He had five points and five boards. Uh, was a plus seven Long himself. Longtime warrior killer, that Greg Monroe. Yeah, <laughs> is that actually a thing? Yeah, man. Don't you like the the twenty four and one game? Oh, when, right. Um, right. Yeah, when when the Bucks ended their streak, Monroe like was like flat dominant. Yeah, like, I, I think he had about like twenty nine points in that game or something, and like barely missed. Yeah, it's all coming back to me now. I forgot about that. I forgot he played for the Bucks. He played in the Raptors. Played against the Raptors in the playoff max series. Contract. Yeah, he went from a max contract to a minimum contract. That does not happen all that often. No, certainly not. Um, yeah, he looked pretty good last night. So, it, assuming I guess the move as well, they pulled up uh, Chris Boucher to the G League right now, who's fresh off a forty-seven point nine block performance <laughs> last night. Unbelievable! Shouts to the Raptors for finding two straight G League MVPs. Uh, and also of G League Finals MVP and Pascal Siakam, who we'll get to in the final segment. Um, but, yeah, Greg Monroe, if he has to have more of a role, I don't know if there's that much of a drop-off from Jonas, to be honest. Like, obviously, he's less efficient. He's less of a guy you can just toss it to and say, go score. Probably less of a dominant role threat, but he's a better passer and is a comparable defender, I think. Maybe slightly worse, but I don't think, like, notably worse, especially, you know, against, like, sort of lesser opponents. I don't know. What do you think if, if Monroe has you know to take on the Valanciunas role, for example, where he's playing you know sixteen to twenty minutes a game? How do you think he'll be equipped to do that? Yeah, I think he's totally equipped to do that. Look, he has his like very obvious limitations. Uh, basically, we're talking about the defensive end and the fact that he doesn't stretch the floor. But I mean, the, the Raptors have not been a great rebounding team. He can definitely rebound the ball. Uh, I, I think he can facilitate from the perimeter. He's always been able to do that. And to come in and play backup five, like to have him as like an end of the bench guy, like that's a luxury. Mm-hmm. So uh, there'll be certain games where you're like, oh my god, this guy's unplayable, and teams are playing five out. But if he comes in for short stretches, I think you sort of have to use him like you use Valentinus. Like if Monroe is on the court, like don't waste those minutes. Like take advantage of him. Yeah. Like you need to actually give him the ball. Otherwise, what are you doing? Like why even use him? Right. Um, the interesting thing to me is the, this Boucher angle mm-hmm. because, I mean, you watch him and it's like, look, I'm, I'm not going to pretend I'm sitting here watching 905 full games. Or like you watch the highlights and you're like, wow, this is like sort of like a an, another Siakam that's like hitting threes comfortably. And yeah. like, you're just like, what could this player be? Like he's so skinny, but he's so freaking long and he's active as hell. Like it seems like he – would just if you threw him into that game last night and had him running around and um, just sort of leaking out in transition and like hitting threes, like it seems like he would fit right in. So like 
I'm like kind of more interested to see what happens with Boucher and how they use him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think from like a big picture perspective, that's probably like that's kind of important to see what you have there more so than like with Monroe, like you know exactly what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, but that that's a sort of tricky thing for a coach to manage too because Monroe is a proven guy yeah. who like is playing, uh, I assume, less than he thought he would. And would absolutely assume if you have an injury to Jonas Valanciunas, he's the one that is going to get those minutes. So, not some guy from the G League. Yeah. So, like, I'm just in, interested in sort of monitoring this situation. I think Monroe can can do fine, but I'm like kind of excited to to potentially watch Chris Boucher get in some NBA games. Yeah, I'm not entirely certain it's going to be an issue with Monroe. Like, I I don't feel like he signed here thinking he was going to get a lot of minutes because I, like I just don't. I feel like Nick Nurse kind of knew from the beginning and, you know, by extension, just the entire team kind of knew they were going to go this direction with Ibaka and Valanciunas to have one of them come off the bench every night. And, and like, if that's the case, there's just no minutes for Greg Monroe because you're not playing him at the four. So, like, I think he, I really don't think he signed expecting a lot of minutes. And it seems from all accounts, like, he's been just, like, a lovely dude on the, on the like, on the bench and just, like, is kind of just happy to be here thing. So, I don't know if it'll be, like, a political tension type issue if Boucher starts to get some run ahead. And I I do think, you know, it's interesting because it's going to hurt the bench, I think, a little bit because Valanciunas... You know, for large stretches of this season, has been the only guy who can really kind of get his own in that second unit. And maybe as like CJ Miles comes around, he had a nice game last night. Uh, OG Ananobi seems to be sort of finding it a little bit too, especially against that the, in the Clippers game on Tuesday. He was great. Um, Delon's finding it too. Like so, maybe as they come kind of round into form, they would be less dependent on Jonas anyway. So maybe Monroe can kind of slide in as like sort of a lower volume version of Jonas Valanciunas and kind of just be, uh, you know, a nice reasonable you know approximation of what JV would bring. Um, but I, I do think it's going to kind of allow them, if there's a certain matchup where, like, ideally they'd play Ibaka all 48 minutes just because they want to stay small <laughs> at center, like, I do think they'll just be able to kind of mix, mix and match, right? And say, instead of, you know, shoehorning a very different type of center in Valanchunas in because you just have to get him in there because he's a very good player who needs minutes, um, they can kind of mix and match here. So there's a matchup where it just it's, it behooves the Raptors to stay smaller the entire time. Like, why not just play Boucher at center, right? Um, you know, they yeah. might. You Why know, not get, try Siakam at center? Hey, I'm I'm fully on board and on record saying I want more of that. Um, yeah. And I didn't really mention it, but like Siakam at center, that's going to be a thing you can use against the Warriors. I think probably. Um, we'll talk about Siakam in a second, but I yeah, I think it's going to be interesting that they can kind of mix and match a little bit here and not be so married to the you know stretchy smaller center and then sort of the the big giant you know post up man. Um, you know, sort of structure they've had so far. They're, they're going to get to move it around a little bit. And also, I don't know if this is, like, mean to Malachi Richardson, but I do wonder if, like, this is going to accelerate Boucher's 45 days. Like, you know, he might use all of the 45 days while Valanciunas is out of the lineup. And maybe this kind of... Maybe they have a roster spot open, so maybe they just convert Boucher to a... Uh, a one-way deal, and then they just have the 15th guy. But considering they're like at a $35 million tax bill right now, I wonder if maybe they'll sort of cut bait on Malachi Richardson at some point here and just give Boucher that roster spot if he performs well here. I'm cu- kind of curious about that because these 45 days are going to be up extremely soon, and he seems like he's too good for the G League. But I mean, it's nice to see him destroy everybody, but... It would also be a cool little story if he could turn that, you know, really great run of form in the G League into an actual NBA deal and sort of be 
another little bit of big man depth for the Raptors. It's uh, I, I'm I'm curious to see how it's all going to go. I have no idea what it's going to look like, and I wonder if like Boucher at center in these bench units, if they keep going with the five man bench units, is going to be a little bit too cramped or just not good enough rebounding wise. Like him and OG in the front court might not be enough, but. Um, it should be at least like an interesting little wrinkle in sort of the the arc of this season, at least, where we've kind of fallen into a bit of a comfortable pattern, and that's going to get changed and and tested right now. So that's kind of cool. Any other things on Jonas or Boucher or Monroe before we move on to the final segment? Well, I think one one thing is like Nurse and his coaching staff can like afford to experiment here. They don't have what they had last year when they had this solid bench unit that was just killing the, the other team every night that clearly had developed chemistry. Like, I, I think no one talks about it because the Raptors have been so great, but, like, I, I think they missed Pirtle mm-hmm. on that second unit because he had such good chemistry with Siakam. He had such good chemistry uh, with Van with Vliet. They just knew what they were doing. And a lot of those guys came up together, and they, they played Summer League together. They played 905 together. They played in those, like... Uh, UCLA runs in the summer and like actually played as a unit and and I, I think the bench even though we always talk about the Raptors being this deep team it's like they haven't been killing teams the same way with the bench this year yeah. so I think that that just gives Nurse even more reason to, to just play around which is his natural inclination anyway and it, it's not as if I mean Valanciunas has like in my opinion like handled this so well and played so well and he's been really good as mostly a backup but I, I don't think he's slid in and it's just like that unit is just perfect and the chemistry is so awesome and they can't disrupt it like no like mm-hmm. disrupt it play around like try guys at different spots try boucher definitely give monroe a chance um but i i think if this is what forces nurse to like for example make you really happy by playing pascal at the five then okay like you you have a month to to do that and get some sort of sample size where you can look at how that works a proposition for Nick Nurse: play uh, Siakam at point guard, with like Danny Green, Kawhi, OG, and Boucher. Give me, give me that lineup. I'm here for it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if, if you're playing that lineup, like, what are positions anyway? Like, what yeah. even is that? Yeah, like, that's, uh, he's a point center kind. Of, yeah. Like, what whatever. are positions and what are baskets allowed? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna wrap this thing up with a quick chat about Pascal Siakam, which was the original impetus to have. James on the podcast before all this madness happened last night. Uh, But first, I want to tell everyone about the Locked On Podcast Network Twitter and Instagram feeds you should definitely be following. On Twitter, at LockedOnNBANet and at LockedOnNFLNet. If you just follow those accounts, you don't have to go around and follow all 60-whatever hosts that are on the network, and you can just follow the single feed where everyone's getting retweeted into it, whether it's their basketball-related tweets or their breaking news stuff or just during games. Uh, It's really useful. It's a great tool to have, and again, keeps your timeline a little cleaner. You don't get all my garbagey tweets you just get my very good tweets, like uh, my n- 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 uh, my Nick Doctor joke that came out last night that everyone very much enjoyed. Um, or you'll, actually, I don't think that one did get retweeted by the account, so you'll avoid those bad tweets and only get the good basketball ones. That's what I meant to say. Anyway, uh, also on Instagram, if you follow those accounts, you're getting little snippets of each podcast, little condensed takes. If you want to listen to the whole thing, you can go click on the link of the bio, or you can just listen to the minute long clip, and that can be your. Locked on Bucks fill for the day or whatever it is. Locked on Pacers. It's all good. So make sure you're checking out the Locked on NBA Net and at Locked on NFL Net on uh, Twitter and Instagram. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. 
Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, James, you wrote about Pascal Siakam, and uh, he's a fascinating dude, and his story is very interesting, and I thought you did a very good job of bringing it out and sort of talking about his development as a player and all this stuff. Do um, you, you have any sort of notes from talking to Pascal that sort of particularly tickle your fancy? I, I, I don't really know. It's uh, like he's just he's a uh, like he's changing the game for the Raptors this year, man, in a way that I did not really expect. At least not to this degree. I thought he was going to be good, but. Um, like I didn't expect him to start every game. I didn't expect him to be the most improved player. Uh, but it's all just kind of happening, and it's kind of changed the sort of perception of the Raptors. I think. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's it's funny that I even had the sort of idea to write about him again because I did a whole feature on him last year. <laughs> uh, but it just felt like so much had changed that like that like what I wrote then is like not particularly relevant. Like that yeah. was about like his potential and what he could be and how hard he was working at his three-point shot and why they were letting him shoot threes when at the time he was making less than 20% of them and it's, it was sort of like look at this like experiment going on in Toronto with this really talented player that's like clearly a work in progress and now it's like all right this is a fully like he I'm I'm not saying that he's reached his potential I'm not saying that he doesn't have like many more levels he can get to and that's actually like basically what he wanted to communicate throughout the piece and that's a lot of what the story was about is how he doesn't feel like he's anywhere close to as good as he can be and he's not going to stop working uh like nobody knows who he is just by the fact he's getting this attention but i think if you look at the production if you look at um what he's done in the starting lineup that just merely just looking at the minutes that he's earned and the the role that he plays like he has the ball a ton he has a lot of responsibility on this team the raptors this year have let him go uh in a way that they didn't last year and i'm not even just talking about the minutes i'm talking about what he does when he's on the court it's like to me he's i i wrote it in the piece like i I think he's closer to a star than a role player i think he's the clear front runner for most improved player even though there's a lot of guys you could make a case for i think he's kind of a cut above the rest Mm -hmm. and i don't think it's crazy to argue that he's an all-star so uh that, that kind of like when I was thinking about like what to do when the Raptors were coming to town, I was like, well, I, I think there's a lot more to say about this guy. I think he has made an enormous leap in a relatively short amount of time, um, it, whether you're talking about from last year to this year or whether you're talking about his basketball life because that didn't start that long ago. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get into his story, but I, I a lot of it, want, I wanted to talk about like this season, what it means and where he's going from here. And it's funny, it's like, I start the piece by saying, like, you you could, if you were paying attention, you knew something was happening, but you didn't know it would be quite like this, right? Like, yeah. I I did an interview with CJ Miles before the season started, like a, a, a Q&A, kind of about the Raptors season, a little bit about CJ himself, but, like, I asked him a, a, about Siakam, and I was just like, it, is this the year that people outside of Toronto find out how good he is? Because... Like it seemed like everybody in Toronto was was really excited about this guy, and CJ went on like, yeah, I think it is. And so when I, when I went up to him on, uh, I, I did the reporting for this last Friday when they were in, in Brooklyn. I went up to CJ and I was like, hey, like remember we talked before the season, uh, and you said like this is the year everybody's gonna see it with with Pascal. He's so good, <laughs> and and CJ was like, he joked. He was like, yeah, they they call me clairvoyant. It's like, <laughs> well, <laughs> and that didn't make it in the piece, but like, it, it's like. 
you guys did know. Like, you watch every Raptor game, you knew that there was something different about him. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I, I think we had a conversation on the podcast last year when we sort of discussed how at a certain point last year people stopped saying OG was going to be the Raptors' Draymond Green and started saying it was going to be Pascal. Yeah. And now it's like, well, Draymond Green isn't, like, he doesn't have this attacking offensive mindset like Pascal does. Yeah. Uh, like the, the, he's a different player too, and Pascal doesn't like I, I put in the beat. Like I asked him about, it, like he doesn't like any of these analogies. He's just like I don't see anybody who can do what I do. Like he wants to be his own player. He definitely does not want to be seen as just an energy guy. Mm-hmm. Which, like by the way, that's why he was drafted. It's because he was an energy guy. Because he went into a pre-draft workout and just like went crazy, like with his hustle. And all the guys who were watching were just like, oh, wow. And, and like, that's how we got in the NBA. But like, he wants to be so much more than that. He already is so much more than that. And I, I think he's just uh, a fascinating guy that I think people are starting to realize on a national level how good he is. And people in Toronto are kind of like, like you're, you're kind of used to it now, right? Yeah, like I, yeah. I feel like it's just like, yeah, you expect him to be good every night it's not this like novelty thing anymore absolutely did you ask him directly about like the draymond green comps that are kind of being thrown around yeah, yeah. i mean i said like i i said like you had like you literally like when i emailed i think it was uh when i interviewed Nor- i think it was norman powell last year when i was working on the first story yeah he said we were watching film and we were looking at what he did and some of us were comparing him to draymond and, and i i said to to pascal i was like there's people in this locker room who have compared you to draymond um, like, but I know that you don't like comparisons, mm-hmm. and I basically asked him why, and like, so yeah, I did mention Draymond directly to him. I, I, it's not like he says it's not to be cocky or anything. Like, I think he understands why people compare him to like sort of point forward types. Yeah, but he just he just kind of wants to do everything there is to do on the court, and it's I think what's interesting is like trying to figure out where this is going, and that's kind of like. What the end of my story was about is like, what what does this look like in a few years? Like when I had CJ telling me, I think these next few summers are going to be even bigger than than his last. I think he's going to add like a pull up jumper to his game. We don't see him shoot off the dribble really. Like that doesn't that's not really a thing that that yeah. he does. But like, could you imagine if <laughs> he has that in his game? Could you imagine him like? taking a three off the dribble, like running a, a pick and roll, which he, he will run the occasional pick and roll now, but you know he's going to turn the corner. Can you imagine yeah. just popping a three? Like, if, if he, like, like this stuff is not, like, unattainable. Even him. if it's just like, like, a, like a DeLon Wright pull-up three where it's a little telegraphed and kind of obvious and maybe a bit slow, but, like, it's still there and it becomes a threat. Like, yeah, like, I don't think he's going to become, like, so maybe maybe it's dumb to say he won't become someone who's like just like a, a noted quick fire like knockdown three point shooter. But like I don't know, he works insanely hard. He very much has like a DeRozan vibe about how he works, right? And how he said like he's just never stopping and he's just always going. And like we're seeing the results. I mean, the three point shooting now it's like thirty six percent. Like I don't know how real it is, but it feels yeah. like it's not insane that he's shooting that well. Most of his looks are wide open, and obviously. That's going to be something that's tested significantly in the playoffs because I don't think teams sure. are going to care about guarding him. Um, but he also has that insane sort of. Or they will care about guarding him, and then he just won't shoot any three. Like yeah, you know yeah, because he'll just drive like, into them like that, and put the six foot push shot over their heads. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's uh, 
Uh, someone's going to figure out how to guard the spin move at some point. I haven't seen it yet. Um, but, but but you can't, but that's the thing. Like, and I asked him about that too. Like, that's the thing. Like, he doesn't telegraph his spin move. Yeah, that's true. Like, the reason why it works is that he has such good touch and he refrains from committing to what he's going to do until the last possible moment. So, like, it, he wouldn't be able to get the spin move every time if he didn't also have all these other possessions where he just went straight up. Yeah, he has, like, right? these, like, options off of his drives, right? Like, it's... Like, like an option play. And he can, use either, he can yeah. finish with either hand. Yeah. And he's so good at figuring out a way to, like, protect the ball and, like, get get it off the glass softly. It's like, you don't even, you don't think about these things, like, all right, like, when you're driving hard to the rim, like, how quickly can you, like, slow down and get in control yeah. and not get blocked? But, like, that's the sort of thing that, like, he's really advanced at. I, I'd say someone like OG Ananobi is not. Yeah. Like you saw, like Draymond just reject the crap out of him on the break last night. Yeah. Where if that was Pascal dribbling a ball down, like I don't think that's getting blocked. Like I think that's a bucket, and and I think that's the thing is like he is extremely skilled. Yeah. And he wants people to know that he wants people to know it's not just that he plays hard because to him he's always played hard. He played hard when he was running around a soccer field as a kid. Like that's just who he is. He has that motor that I don't think he feels like that's a that's a a talent or anything i think he just feels like that that's just part of him yeah so I, I think that's why it's interesting and like as far as the work ethic goes like i mean the best anecdote i had on that like wasn't even in the story because i used it a year ago it was like they they have that that system called noah yeah. on the tracks the the shot and the trajectory and they installed it i think at the beginning of last year and there was there was a time last season where like they sent in the data to whoever analyzed it and they looked and they saw like who, like it says somebody got like 600 shots up in this one session like that must be an error and <laughs> be like no that that was just pascal like that that was not a mistake that was not some sort of accident like that's I, he i've never had a like i've talked a lot about players who were like coming up um who were like most improved candidates and whatever like i write a lot about player development and i've never had a player say to me like i'm obsessed with development like, yeah it's a really like, weird thing to say in meant. like a vacuum it's that quote with no without context is very strange but um it, it it's clearly a big reason why he's uh becoming the dude he is um i think that's gonna do it this has been great james this, this is i'm gonna get in trouble for this being too long but that's okay uh, this was a big That's day. Nice. Lots of stuff happened. Uh, and it was a lovely game. And hopefully we can talk to you again soon down the road. And uh, I don't know. Where, you have that piece right now, the Pascal Siakam everyone should check out. Do you have anything else you'd like to plug right now? Uh, yeah, every week I have a notebook column called That's Pretty Interesting. And mine dropped today. It's, I mean, they drop every Thursday. The, this one is uh, the sort of the lead thing is about Tony Parker, who is 36 and said that he still feels like he has the legs of a 20-year-old and looked like he's playing awesome in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. He's been like everything they wanted him to be, and I think he's sort of re-energized in a new place too. So there's like a sort of mini feature about him, and then I sort of jumped around the league for uh, the few different topics in there. There's some sort of Tony Parker lewd joke about the legs of a 20-year-old sitting there, but I can't yeah, quite I, get I to think it. I, yeah, I could have said that better. <laughs> I think he said it weird too. Like in his quote, he's like, I have 20 years old legs, yeah. which is like, that's kind of, I don't know. Watch your girl, it's Malik like, Monk. It's not right, but like, I didn't want to like correct it, so whatever. Yeah, watch your girl, Malik Monk. Um. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, that's a good spot to end it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can find James at Outside the NBA. You can follow uh, at Locked on Raptors on Twitter. 
You can subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. All the places you get your podcast is very helpful of you to do that. And uh, this was a good time, James. We'll talk to you soon, and everyone will talk to you on Friday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.